This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Know Your Company. Got 25 to 75 people in your company? Check out knowyourcompany.com, software that helps companies like Airbnb know their company better. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Alex Kleiner, and he talks to me about his love of musical composition, specifically with regards to scoring things, TV, film, commercials, comedy sketches, etc. Alex has done a little bit of all of the above, and it was really interesting for me to hear about what his process is like, because while I am a fan of all of these things, of course... I don't really know what goes into uh, making all of that happen. So it was really cool to get to hear him kind of break down the process and how he got into it in the first place and the kinds of things that have influenced him over the years. Get ready for a lot of Trent Reznor slash Nine Inch Nails love because that is a lot of where this started for Alex. And I think that's really cool. And uh, it's really interesting to see how Trent Reznor's career has progressed over the years from being kind of a rock and roll person into being uh, very well known for great movie scores. Uh, And even so much so that it inspired Alex to get into that more. Um, I think maybe he's probably the only person who's writing musical scores, who uh, keeps in mind a Coco Chanel quote as he does so, which I think is delightful and something for you to look forward to when he reveals what that quote is. Thank you so much for listening to this. You can follow Alex on Twitter at A Kleiner, and I recommend you do so because he's very funny, and that will be a good entree into his humor. Additionally, I would like to draw your attention to the recently launched Kickstarter that the Nerdlogs have just started. Our members, Kevin and Joe, have been working really diligently on a wonderful new card game called Competition Kitchen. It's basically like Chopped or any other uh, kitchen competition show where you have a certain number of ingredients and some sort of challenge, some sort of special ingredient that you have to incorporate into one winning dish. They turn that into a card game. I helped a little. It's very cool. The art is fantastic. It's by former guest of the show, Kevin Budnick. Uh, and I am so excited to see this project through. So if you'd like to support that, you look in the notes of the show for a link to the Kickstarter or just Google Competition Kitchen. I can pretty much guarantee it'll come up. The boys have gotten in touch with some really wonderful chefs and uh, food adjacent personalities to get special ingredient uh, suggestions from like Mario Batali, Ina Garden, Mark Summers. Yeah, pretty cool. I know you want to find out whether all their ingredients were, but the only way to do it is if you back it. You know, you just got to see for yourselves. Uh, put your money where your mouth is. I think that's about all I've got. If you would like to see a great improv show, you can always come to the Annoyance Theater on Thursday nights at 9.30 for the fishbowl. In the middle of the show is students getting the opportunity to play with Annoyance Theater teachers and veterans. And the end of the show is my team, Sight Unseen, closing it out 
all of whom's past members you can find as episodes of this podcast. How about that? You can listen to a little backstory on everyone, have some preconceived notions coming in, and maybe be pleasantly surprised or pleasantly overjoyed to know that you were right on about what you thought that person might improvise like based on hearing their episode of this podcast. That's a a whole adventure that you could go on with your ears and in your person. Um, I think there's plenty of plugging going around, so I will give the rest of this up to the wonderful, hilarious, talented Alex Kleiner. Listen, entertainment <laughs> is a gamble. There are no sure, no sure results. It's this. It's a gift and a curse too. In that, that where we, um, oh yeah, in general. In that, <laughs> in general. Yep. But also that, like, uh, <clears throat> the way that we have our um, feed, like podcast feed set up on the Nerdalog site, I have no real way of knowing what the numbers are for listenership. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me, I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> this reaches millions and millions yeah, of people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I have no confident answer to that, but I mm-hmm. think it's for the best. Yeah. And just for safety, do you think we should do some like Casper mattress spots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can we can kick some uh, free adverts yeah. uh, for the millions of listeners. Millions. That we, yeah. Literally dozens to millions. <laughs> That's how I should answer from mm-hmm. now on. Anywhere from dozens to millions. Yep. From the two to eight figure range. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, because of the, I don't know if you knew this, but MBSing is a part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm so nervous now. <laughs> and because there's been, um, you know, some changeover at the first of the year and in uh, other adverts uh, for that process, Cards Against Humanity has been my main sponsor for the last oh, few weeks. Well, <laughs> so. uh, you know, go on cardsagainsthumanity.com, order something, uh, <laughs> have fun with your friends. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Give your grandmother a heart attack. I don't see a better way to transition <laughs> into introducing you as my guest. <laughs> my guest today is Alex Kleiner. Hi, everybody. Uh, and we're going to talk about his love of uh, music, mm-hmm. specifically the composition, production side of things, because you have a, a lot to s- of experience in that field. Uh, I, I do, and we'll see if I have anything to say. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say have a Anything lot to interesting. Say. I have strong opinions about <laughs> recording. I could tell that you saw me almost say to say. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I was like, uh-oh, what if I... <laughs> I, I hope I'm not writing checks that my mouth can't cash. I meant to just give you that you had a lot of experience in the field. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is uh, it's where uh, some of my money comes from. There you go. Uh, well, what's the origin of your love for the topic? Okay, so apparently, and I remember this um, pretty well because I was having one of those moments, you know, where you're like, "What is my life?" Uh-huh. And then like. Uh, taking stock of, of of like childhood dreams that have either fallen by the wayside or in some <laughs> way have come true. Sure. And I remember in high school, I told my guidance counselor like my freshman year, and they're like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "I think I want to I want to do music for movies." No way. Yeah. That's and then so I cool. totally forgot about that because I went and got like a bachelor's degree in acting, and I started like performing more. 
That's so funny. <clears throat> yeah, and then do you uh, think that was just a more accessible like thing than specifically? It's not like you could sign up for making music for movies club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you know, there was that club did not exist, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, I honestly don't I, I would guess that the genesis of that idea in my head was like um, I was a huge like mall goth Aww. so I loved the hot topic <laughs> and I loved big old Jinko jeans oh my god and I was super into Nine Inch Nails and like Marilyn Manson and then like Trent Reznor he started did yeah and he did the Lost Highway soundtrack um, and he wrote some original like music for that and then like they used a couple of his tracks like the perfect drug and stuff like that and then like Marilyn Manson had some songs on there too and i was like whoa that's cool rock music in a movie neat that is so funny <clears throat> and i'm, I'm that pretty sure i mean to. that's at least what i'm saying to you sure to your dozens to millions of <laughs> listeners sure that that is where that thought came from sure i love that especially the description of yourself as a mall god <laughs> i really wish this was a visual medium because i have my well at least my mother has i'll have her put it in the mail but uh, pictures of me like like with like manic panic pink hair oh my God. and like a long leather trench coat i and have like, a good like week and a half for that this is gonna be in the can so if you want to i will try to at least digitize <laughs> them and get them to you so that they can see exactly what they're dealing with thank you very very much my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the i think kind of the best part about that from my perspective is I was totally friends with some mall goths because mm-hmm. I did band in my first. Oh my god, I didn't know that. What did you play? I played the alto sax. Okay. Yes, I marched with it. That's one of those cool portable saxes. Yeah. Right? So yeah. yeah, it has. It's the smallest one with a bend. Mm-hmm. Um. So I had the strap, uh, to be able to hold that sucker up. Yep. And, uh, and did you have the little thing that clipped to the the horn oh, part that had your little tiny music? I never had one of those. Oh, because you were they, always off book. They, like, they let us do that, but hardly anyone in our band would do it. And I think it was a combination of um, us not being, like, great enough that we had some real humdingers. Really tough stuff. And a lot of people having the, like, pride of not having the music stands. Of memorization. I think it was somewhere in between. Gotcha. <laughs> well, obviously you're formidable alto saxophone. <laughs> and I'm in the presence of greatness. Um, thank you for acknowledging that. Of course. But yeah, I, so I never really, I didn't delve too deep into that pool, but I definitely had very good friends who were, you know, cutting, they had arm warmers and stuff like Hell that. Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it is mall goth adjacent, the band kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. Totally. Because it's like, you know, I, it's some of the band kids. I didn't play band in high school. Mm-hmm. I was a piano lessons kid. Gotcha. So, so they didn't w- it was not socialized music. It was like, <laughs> stay in this room and learn this, and your reward will be you get to learn something harder next week. <laughs> It was very joyless. Um, but I did give uh, the clarinet a whirl in the sixth grade. Oh, my goodness. Right as I got my braces on. So as they were getting tight, those reed instruments. Nightmare. Y'all at home know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, you band kids at home. But it hurt, and I yeah. sucked. I was objectively <laughs> awful at the clarinet. I got braces in fifth grade, <clears throat> um, and I started playing the saxophone in sixth grade, and uh it was a real, like, in ninth grade when I got my braces off, it was a real, 
am I still gonna have it? You know. <laughs> and did you? <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> Who can say? Who can say? I think I was always in the like second, third chair gotcha. kind of realm. I was never good enough to be first. Oh, I was so far away from the chairs. I was may as well have been in the bench <laughs> by the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't in. You know, the we need to talk about the fifth saxophone person i was definitely just right there in Mm -hmm. the middle just solid supporting saxophonist (laughs) exactly exactly maybe like the strongest saxophone on the second part of Mm -hmm. for the instrument Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. taking the harmony line Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly uh so that's so funny though um that even in something that could be so like group based sure. you were just oh yeah stuck in a room i mean but isn't sports like that too where it's like it's all about the team yeah and it absolutely is not <laughs> it's about individual achievement stop lying that's really very true yeah. uh so i guess it's good i feel like pianists specifically that is where all the pressure is I mean, yeah. Well, especially in the classical, like growing up and like taking classical lessons. Did you start really young? I started when I was six. Whoa. And I took lessons until I was 14. And then I had gone through a couple of music, like a couple of piano teachers. Like I had a childhood teacher and then my middle piano teacher was like the super high pressure one. Those were like when you get into like hour plus long lessons (sighs) and it was like the expensive like Urtext books which are like the 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 music as it was composed versus like dumbed down for like kids to learn and like going to competitions and competing against these like the prodigies that are like three years younger than me and i'm only like 12 at this point and then getting outplayed by like nine-year-olds and it's um so then my i i i was losing a lot of the love for it Um, i can imagine in that environment and so during that time i was but I like got super obsessed with Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails and you know a film career now. Um, the idea that like you can plug a piano into a computer and it will make all of the and sounds you can in do the world. Anything, <clears throat> right? Right. You can do anything with it, uh, and that was that was huge for me. So then when I had my third piano teacher, she was like a soup sweet lady, super super devout. Christian, like uh, one of the one of the real intense kind. Not like not Catholic. I was raised Catholic, so it wasn't like old school like monk Christianity. It was right. like evangelical. Sure. Um, and so more, more I had Southern Baptist than right. And she wasn't yeah New England Catholic. So I had asked, <laughs> I had asked if I could like play, and I think the best way I knew how to put it at the time was like, can I learn like. Enya songs or like new age music songs and she was like I need to talk to your mother <gasps> and I was like oh god am I in trouble and she was like well I'm, I'm new age music Enya and like Enigma like you know like Return of Innocence that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah Sail Away. Uh, right all that good stuff. <coughs> yeah. um, she was like that is witchcraft music. <gasps> no! <laughs> so we can't teach him that and her compromise was that um, I could learn like contemporary Christian piano. So I still have a huge soft spot in my heart for like Amy Grant songs and like Michael W. Smith and like Awesome God and oh like my God. all that piano driven yes. modern music. You can't see the air quotes at home, but <laughs> modern contemporary music. 
Um, but it just had to deal with, you know, God's glory and his love. Um, so, and then by then I was kind of like getting tired of piano lessons. So I quit piano lessons when I was 14 and decided to focus my, uh, attentions on like corn type <laughs> guitar. And it was awful at guitar. Um, and then I got back into piano playing in college when I was an acting major and my fellow students wanted to like put on musicals. Right. And they were like, can you be a music director? I'm like, I don't know. And so I did that and I like music directed a couple of like pits for some shows, for some musicals. And then, you know, I just like, by that time, any Mac laptop had garage band and I just started to like teach myself like recording and composition that way. That's so cool that, uh, it seems like, and I, I have no idea of the history of this, so you may be able to speak to it a little better. It seems like Reznor was kind of on the like forefront, if you will, absolutely of their being using, you know, like you said, yeah. being well, able to just like plug a keyboard in. So they in those days they call it, and they still kind of call it industrial music. Cool, yeah. Um, which was like the sensibilities of hard rock or metal, but like with a synthesizer. Cool. And uh, if you really like study Trent Reznor's music, um, all of his hits actually have a like a groove, like a, a danceable bass part to them. So like um, that, I think that actually that unlocks a lot of the success of like why Nine Inch Nails sounds so damn good. At least it does to me. Uh-huh. Like the song Closer, the one everyone knows. You know, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Like if you you, you think it's this like rocking throbbing song, and it is. But underneath all of those sounds is this bass line that's going boom, bump, 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 these danceable bass lines. That's amazing. So you take all this aggression and all this like dissonance and angry sound and uh-huh. you put it over top of this really funky thing, but then you like put everybody in like jet black hair and like, like you know, the styling of the 90s. Right. Uh, and it felt just so like metal and rocking, but like underneath it is some like funk. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah, it's like this like secret weapon mm-hmm. <laughs> hidden underneath mm-hmm. a bunch of anger. It's this like po- kind of populist like everyone come like and dance to this shit uh, in the guise of like this is only for the weird kids at school. Right. You know and um, and so like I've been like obsessed with Trent Reznor since I w- since as long as I can remember. That's amazing. Do you remember times where you tried to where you did that kind of like deconstruction of his music? Um on like a theoretical like um yeah yeah like what i guess i'm music dumb when it comes to like someone like yourself who can compose music right. you know from top to bottom mm-hmm. and lay down a baseline or sure. however you would start and yeah. that might even be something that uh we can get into um do you when you listen to a song like notice all of those layers yeah like uh music like listening to music um, it, I realize that this is going to sound like kind of pretentious, and I, I hope okay. you don't think it is. I mean, I refer to, to myself as music dumb. So, well, I, <laughs> like, listening to music for me cannot be a pa- like it's no longer a passive activity. So, that like, makes a lot I of sense. I hardly listen. Like, if I'm in the car with someone, unless we were decidedly not talking, mm-hmm. or like we're just going to like chill and listen to music, like I can't have the like the stereo on. I can't like. Because, like, I'm always listening to all the different parts and, like, how, not only how, like, 
the theory is working, like how the song progresses, but like how the instruments are working together and like what, you know, uh, oh, this is a, this clip and like this is the rhythm that the drums are doing or this is what percussion's doing and this is how the bass is working and it, like I get a sense of how the song feels and I'm like, oh, I might want to try and I'll like go home and if it's something catches my ear, I'll like try to like do something in that vein, especially if it's nothing like I've tried to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I, and it's just like an exploration. But yeah, no, like listening to the music is 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 like a fully cognitive process. That's awesome. Unless it's something I've heard a million times. That's what and I was like, about to say. And 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 I can actually enjoy music more. And this is also going to sound pretentious, guys. I promise I'm not this bad. <laughs> um, uh, like on. V- I'm sorry. I'm on so vinyl. sorry for what I'm about to say. On, He's vinyl, say on vinyl, it is a lot more of a relaxing. <laughs> it, it, it's it's more of a um, enjoyable. Like when you versus like through like, especially my studio speakers, like when everything's very like crisp and defined and you're like hearing all the ingredients, um, but like vinyl has its own color. And so the whole thing just kind of feels warm and like a blanket. And so you can kind of relax into it versus like hearing it very clinically. Yeah. And acutely. Yeah. I think that's a totally fair thing to say. Um, especially from the perspective of someone who literally does this professionally. (laughs) I'm thinking of like, I saw um, Die Hard at the Music Box on film last year. Okay. And it was so like scratchy. And the Music Box already has like not the best sound system. Mm -hmm. It's, It's You're only there for, it's kind of like you said, I think the whole thing is a more warm experience than if you just went to like the regal cinema and saw a digital screening of die hard and you watched it more like you would watch a movie that's like currently in theaters and at least for me it this translates more to film just because i'm like a more critical yeah i mean i think that i think that all of those as these technologies get more and more like a couple of things are happening crisp and and as they get more component oriented, so mm. for example, um, you can watch a movie mm-hmm. on your laptop screen, which has a gorgeous display, and you'll see all <laughs> these amazing colors that the filmmaker intended. But you're also listening through laptop speakers, mm. so you might be getting a very like prof- like beautiful visual experience and kind of a very like amateur audio experience and for uh, you that's right yeah and then, and then it's the same thing I, I saw um get out for the second time last night love it so the first time i saw it was in this like kind of crappy um shabby chic movie theater in la oh fine. um and i didn't notice as much of the music and i'm always like you know, i'll listen to fr- freaking scores um and then i saw it at the regal webster place uh <laughs> last night uh-huh. and they have you know like just awesome audio and great very, sound yeah and so like you kind of hear what like the not just the composer but like what the sound mixer is doing and like where they're throwing sound and like how they're using surround to like tell the story yeah and that was much more defined that makes a lot of sense and the, but the visual was about the same i think the screens were probably comparable like the the movie theater i saw it the first time in la had Probably a, a great, like a brand new projector or something, mm-hmm. but hadn't updated their audio. Sure. And then had a similar visual experience last night, but a much more detailed sound experience. That's cool. Yeah. Especially on a, I feel like that's the way to do it on a second view. Right. To be able to kind of glean more from it. Get all the pieces. Do you yeah. like sitting in a specific place in the theater? I mean, let's be honest, like when I'm, 
<laughs> I love this. At Regal Webster Place, where you get to choose your own seat, which is a blessing and a curse, because <laughs> by the time I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go to the movie. I like hardly, never, I never buy left. movie tickets like more than four hours in advance. Yeah. Who, like, ugh, yes. So you, you're like, okay, I'm sitting in the second row, like off to the side. <laughs> yeah. But ideally, like... The middle of the theater, not too high up, but certainly not down. Like, just a place, like, where you can kind of sit and lean back and still see everything, but you don't feel like you're, like, straining. Because mm-hmm. also in, like, like um, for audio, like, the sweet spot of all the speakers is right in the middle as well. That's what I would think. Um, and that's probably... Where I'll try to end up, yeah. if depending. I mean, like but that's where said. everyone wants to end up. That's why you can't get <laughs> fucking seats down in the second row off to the side next to a sleeping old lady who is not having any of Jordan Peele's work. <gasps> wow. She, I, the, she, uh, uh. But that movie is brilliant, and I don't think that's a very controversial thing. I love it so much, uh, and I'm not even a big like horror movie fan. I think it's probably one of the best. It's like genre defying though. Like yeah, yeah, like horror. It's comedy. It's like sadly true to life. And yeah, no one's ever made a movie like that. It's awesome. It's incredible. I was listening to a podcast where they were discussing it today, and someone was just like, "How how do you think Chelsea Peretti's parents watch that movie?" And I was like, whoa, did not think about that. <laughs> I'm like slowly trying to like, uh, my, my parents are very liberal people, uh, but they're not particularly like woke. Yeah, um, and, I But I'm you. slowly like, like I, I, we watched Straight Outta Compton not too Ooh. long ago on HBO, like uh-huh. on the, when I was home for the holidays and they like had this new appreciation of like all these hip hop artists I was listening to when I was a kid. Sure. Like, they're like, oh, so that's what like NWA was. <laughs> and like, that's like, and I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, isn't that like and this is what they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so like that that kind of lazy like why well, let my kid listen to anything but hip hop. Right. You know, like that kind of they, they able to challenge like those 90s opinions, they those 90s white suburban opinions they had. I relate to that a lot and I'm sure you dealt with that in the in Maryland a yeah. lot. Well, I mean, fortunately I'm uh, from a pretty liberal part of it, but you know, well, my dad got mad at me when I bought uh, Lil Bow Wow's first CD. Really? So, yeah, that's so that's funny. Yeah, ironically, um, my parents like the only act of, and they're very wonderful liberal people, and the only act of censorship I ever experienced. Like, I never like had a problem getting a like parental advisory CD. Mm-hmm. They, they under- I'm sure it was a, a big deal for you as someone who was so into music. Yeah, yeah, I love. I mean, for, this is my first love. Like. Uh, and so they were like, okay, we can at least contextualize. We don't think that, like, censorship is a great idea. Like, we're not, like, we understand that you can hear bad words and know not to repeat them in situations. And, you know, like. Yeah. You can they be, trusted you. Right. I was watching, extent. like, I was, I'm an only child, so I hung out with adults a lot. Sure. And so I was watching R-rated movies when I was still, you know, a kid kid. And I, like, had, knew how to, like, n- see and not repeat, you know, mm-hmm. things. Um, but. So the closer that Nine Inch Nails song closer, my mom saw me watching it on MTV when I was a kid. She walked in and like watched the video, and the video has like all these like very challenging images, <laughs> and like she's hearing the censored chorus, "I want you like an animal," and she's like, "Oh, oh, this is a step too far." That's a hard sell. And so she called, you know, like whatever the equivalent of Comcast was back then, and had MTV blocked from the house. 
for like nine months. No way. Li- like little did she know that like I don't know if th- that particular action made me double down on my love of Nine Inch Nails. Right. But it, it became like that became a huge feature of my personality. Oh my was gosh. Like, I'm obsessed with Nine Inch Nails. I have to seek this yeah. out. Yeah. So this is I'm going to bring it draw attention to the fact that. Your mom did this where Nine Inch Nails was concerned, and it may very well have like driven you to into being more of a fan. Could have helped, yeah. Also, the last piano teacher you had mm-hmm. kept you from listening to new age music, right? Because of the witchcraft, and replaced it with Christian. And you like promptly stopped doing that right. afterwards. But I, I did develop an appreciation for like some of the very beautiful, like <laughs> open voicings of like contemporary Christian music. Um, and what's funny is that my my mother is always like agnostic when I was a kid. So she was like she didn't like that. She thought that like the hyper Christianity of this piano teacher was, was also could also be a bad thing. Uh-huh. So like caught between a rock and a hard place. Like don't get your brain washed by that Christian, but also no nine inch nails for you. <laughs> but I I truly think that, and this is probably an oversimplification, but here we are. I really do think that there's so many people who. Uh, ascribe to Christianity and its moral system just for simplicity's sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the things that your mom had to try to navigate where you were concerned. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, and, but also I gotta say, Mama is a great sport. She, when I was fifteen, she took me to like the the te- the piercing shop oh, so yes. I could get my eyebrow done and my my upper cartilage and like yes. she like. She loved her little Malgoth son, and you know she's like, when people look at you, they're like, huh, what kind of mother would that? I say, well, I would rather my son be able to express himself and be an individual. God little, bless I her. mean, y- y- let's but let's be real honest. Like we were not individuals when we were buying our clothes from Hot Topic. Oh, very. It true, was yeah, very sure. much a moment of fashion. Uh huh. But uh-huh. it was co-opted by the music I liked, so you know it kind of it was a natural fit because you get so identity oriented. Of course, in like middle and high school. Yes. I remember one time I had the Foxy Brown Ilnana CD on me. And like Nine Inch Nails is the downward spiral. And some popular girl from school was like, you like rap and rock? You're a poser. And I was like, oh. You suck. She sucks. She has so many kids now. (laughs) You have so many kids. So many kids. And you don't like more than one type of music. that's not a judgment to anyone at home who has kids. I'm so sorry. But you know what I mean. You can have a lot of kids and you can like a lot of music. Exactly. I'm not a poser for liking all types of music because it would come to be like a career for me. There you go. And I produce, you know, all types of different types of music for a bunch of different reasons. And So once you were in college and kind of trying to really figure that out, playing around in GarageBand, uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the beauties of the user interface of Apple software sure. is that so much of it is self-teachable. Oh, absolutely. I uh, mean, I, I, you know, anyone who does music uh, recording or, or, you know, any sort of work on a DAW, D-A-W, digital audio work, workstation, kind of rolls their eyes at GarageBand, but GarageBand is an awesome, an awesome tool. And certainly from GarageBand that I like saved up and like brought up my confidence to buy logic and I still mm. use like logic I'm on my 80th way. version of logic yeah it's the same in podcast audio production it's if you're doing anything professionally everyone's going to turn their nose up at the, the things that the are one cheaper that free. For free yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but whatever you know I just think it's cool because it's so like anyone can do it right yeah and so if you like 
if you want to get into the weeds, then you have the opportunity to like, you know, upgrade. Yeah, and It should be a starter. Like right. that's, I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's what Apple is trying to do with most of their products sure. is connect an average user to a pretty upper level, uh, you know, capability. Um, once you started working in, uh, you said you started to do composition while you're still in college. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like once I, cause I went out and my, my very supportive parents bought me like this very expensive, um, it was Yamaha Motif 8. So it's called, um, those things are called workstations that when they're the big, keyboard that like may as well have a computer in it and you sure. can kind of record in it yeah. but i was like I, I had given i'd gone through my guitar phase i'd sold all my guitars and like amps and stuff um and i wanted to you know wanted like a really nice like digital something a mm -hmm. keyboard because there was a piano at home but i couldn't you know take that with me and i wanted to play more and i love scrolling through all the patches and be like oh man if i just like hold this chord like it sounds like there's butterflies like <laughs> it's so amazing. dumb yeah and so then you're like oh wow i can but record this a into a right, exactly and i still am that way like yeah. i still get like so nerdy when i get like a new software instrument or something uh -huh. and I'm just, like it sounds so cool that's awesome and just sit in my home studio and like play with it for hours and make stupid recordings. I was going to say, you said you were, you would just like rattle off tiny recordings and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. And th that no one is supposed to listen to, but you just like kind of want to hear it and keep your own record of like, Oh, and that was a cool idea. Or, it's like you said, I mean, even if you're just hearing a song that does something that you've never considered before. Right. right. You just like want to give it a try. You just want to like want to see how it works. And I, I think I related a lot to cooking um, oh, I could see that. I imagine where you like taste something you've never tasted or like you, it's interesting and if, uh, you like the way it tastes or you have an idea for something and you're like, I wonder how this works and you just like experiment and it's all about taking like little ingredients and figuring out the right way to like mix them together and the right way to finish them and the right way to contextualize all those flavors so that it's like that. something really like appealing and appetizing. But yeah, that seems like a, a wonderful analogy, especially in terms of like hearing a song or tasting a dish. And wanting to immediately dissect it. Right, right. And there still being some element of uh, an X factor sure, in yeah. both. Uh -huh. Did you find yourself, what What did the transition look like from kind of just doing that on your own to, uh, was it kind of just a natural like networking type thing where someone would, you kept doing artistic stuff and... Yeah, I mean like, so when I moved to Chicago um, in 20, 2009, uh, I like a year after I moved here, like I got a job as a touring music director for Second City. Cool. Um, so and that was because I was a decent music, like I was a good pianist, and I had like had some experience sound designing. Like I always liked sound. Yeah. Um, and so I already had like whether it be like GarageBand or Logic, or I was always able to like, especially in a time before a lot of people had access right. to these things. Like they're like, can you make it like the sound of a woodpecker? But like at the end it gets like crazy and echoey <laughs> and then like a chainsaw. And you could pretty and I was like, slap that yeah, together. I'll get the sound of a woodpecker and then a chainsaw and throw some like delay on it, you know? And they're like, Oh, how'd you do that? And I'm like, well, it's just in, in this software. I have. Right. Um, so I was already kind of like a, a really like cheap and free, mostly free yeah. guy to call to be like, Hey, can I get this sound effect made? And then I had some experience like music directing musicals. Yeah, so when you said you made... did that in college, I was like, man, I bet that was like 
somewhere like Second City was kind of foaming at the mouth for uh, someone yeah. like you. No, I mean, maybe at the it's time. So, it's so different, though, because Second City is so improvisated. The thing I had to learn when I uh, started at Second City, I had to learn how to improvise musically. Mm. And that was the biggest fear I had. And now it's after, you know, you could do it. seven years of doing, working with Second City around improvisers and around comedy and around mega ups. Like <laughs> I have, I love improvising musically now. Cool. But it was like, but you know, when you come from that piano lesson, like it's recital, either right or wrong. Yeah. You, you, you're fucked up. You're, now you don't get any cake after the recital or whatever. <laughs> it, that, that never happened to me. I never fucked up. No, I always had my cake. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you have like all this pressure and then to be like, now play whatever you want. So to go from like a, a, um, a sight reading, um, read the music as it's written, and then play it well yeah. to like chord theory. Mm-hmm. You know, or like here's how the song goes, here are the chords you use, uh, figure it out yourself. When you like kind of make that jump, it's a little startling. So I kind of had to go back and teach myself a lot of like jazz theory and, That's and, what and I was... like chord knowledge and like get myself off of reading sheet music. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is that makes so much sense as the biggest jump yeah. between the two. Right. And you even would have to kind of apply some of the same compositional techniques to like live music right, composition, right, right. right? So yeah, so I, I, I toured with Second City for a couple of years and I had to make my own, like I had to write songs, I had to like make sound effects, I had to like make what they call needle drops, like transitions between scenes. So I just had to get better. And I like had the opportunity to get paid to like, just do this all the time. Right. And so mixed with my natural like love and child uh, identified desire to make music for screen. Yeah. Like uh, eventually, like I started doing comedy videos uh, for friends. And then, you know, I I worked on some other things to like short films that went around like the short circuits and stuff like that to like, I just, um, I did my first feature length film that uh, opened at the music box cool. last year, um, which was a huge like amount of work. Like I can't... to actually have like scored a feature length film is is nuts. The production company I was working with, FND, they're awesome. The movie's called It's All Good. It's available for rent or purchase on Amazon. Yes. Um, uh, Wasn't that the movie that they crowdsourced? D- yeah. yeah, they did the the yeah. So I met those guys because one of them, Vinny. Uh, worked at Second City as like uh, cool. as like a host, and then like I was on I was doing ETC at that point, um, and uh, and so we just started talking. He invited me, and I met with the guys. And I mean, it took I spent more than a year working on it, wow. but it's because I was working on it kind of like part time. I was sure. still doing ETC, and they were still in like the post production process is long. I can't it's imagine so long. Like they're worrying about things like you know like color correction and like right. not only is there comp- not as an original score but like you have sound design you have sound mixing you have audio re-recording you have did so- you do all that stuff no, no. <laughs> just the no. music stuff no in fact I had a great opportunity to work with a um a guy who has like a freaking Chicago Emmy for how good of a sound mixer and designer he is cool yeah like uh and to just like I would get so nervous because I'd be like such imposter syndrome I'm like here's my cue for this scene or whatever and right. like you know, here's this guy like in this gorgeous studio this gorgeous room like with his freaking like good at art trophies around him 
And I'm like, oh, I hope it sounds. I hope it doesn't make this guy's ears bleed, and he yeah. sees me for like the the fraud that I am. There's such a fine line that I think so many of us uh, excuse the the sweeping us, uh, but you know. You you understand oh, for sure. once I finish the sentence of of that person who, like you said, knows how to do the thing that no one else in the room knows how to do. Right, just putting together the woodpecker and the yeah, you the, know the chainsaw. A chainsaw, and the person who has won awards yes. for doing the thing yes. that you're doing, yeah, who charges like way more money than I could even like begin to like fathom to ask for for right. stuff. Right, and there there's this huge no man's land right. in between. Right, where anyone like people like yourself, and you know, like when it comes to comedy, people like most of, most of this community, in mm-hmm. terms of like, it's either you're taking like you are amazed that someone takes improv classes, right, or you're like Tina Fey, and there's a huge space <laughs> in between, right, and then you have like, yeah, yeah, that's that that's that kind of like valley, yeah, that valley of like. A partial uh, subsidy, <laughs> like, yeah. right? Like you might make some money doing it, um, and you might combine it with other jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but you certainly don't have any awards for it. I, zero, literally zero awards. <laughs> but think about the percentage of people who could never even begin to do the thing that. You yeah, do. no, I still I like take stock of my life, and I'm like, oh my god, I get paid to to make music for the screen and that is like something that i've apparently wanted to do for a long time um so feeling blessed yeah Uh, (laughs) oh it's so cool that they started a gofundme uh to make a movie right but they never said it was under the guise of making a movie about a crowdsourced movie right right right. so yeah they raised they raised like almost eighty thousand dollars or something like that um from the internet <laughs> yeah. uh, to to make a movie, and then they went out and said, uh, "Guys, we're so sorry. We can't we can't make the movie." And they had to go on like lo- a local Fox affiliate and apologize. And meanwhile, all the while, they had made this movie about people who raised a bunch of money to make a movie and then blow the money. I didn't realize that they publicly came out and said they couldn't do it as yep. well. I thought that was just the, oh, the yeah. concept of they the movie. They like lived in like That's taking so flack cool. for so long. Yeah, it's like a stunt that can only be done once. And exactly. The, the move the, they did such a great job. Like the the movie is is excellent. That's so cool. These, I have to see these it kids out. are like easily five years younger than me. I'm 31. Um, <laughs> oh, and boy. Uh, they're like freaking they're they're amazing writers directors producers actors like they just that's, made this movie and it looks so effing good that's awesome yeah. that you got to be a part of that yeah, and yeah. that got to kind of be your a little bit of like trial by fire oh yeah I mean like I had done like and I still prefer to do like shorter Shorts. shorter well, not even that like a corporate shit like I've done um, you know like th- 30 seconds at a time, little web videos for yeah. like Motorola and crap like that, which is cool and it certainly pays. Um, but like to. It, How do but, you get gigs from companies like that? Um, there's, there's product, there's like uh, kind of production houses that work with advertising agencies around. Cool. So it's just, it's networking. Cool. You know, like you, someone who they usually go to can't do it, they recommend you, you do a great job for them, they call you the next That's time. That's great. Yeah. That, I mean, I feel like that's the most basic 
way that stuff like that happens, but I didn't know if there was I feel like, like a, that is like how everything works in Chicago, especially. It seems like it, man. Yeah. It really seems like it. I even for little weird stuff like I used to do tech for shows a lot, just mm-hmm. like lights and sound, and I kept getting asked because people knew I did it, and eventually I just like put my foot down <laughs> and would be like, get in touch with this person, <laughs> and then and, they and always pass the baton off to some, exactly some young up and comer who and just wants I, to. F- fancy themselves after you uh-huh uh-huh and the weirdest is like when that person then stops doing it yeah <laughs> they move into the place you're it's in it's like the the sisterhood of the traveling pants but yes. it's like the sisterhood of the traveling tech keys yes yeah yeah the booth access uh-huh 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 it really does uh it really makes me laugh that that specific thing in this community especially mm-hmm. is so operates so much under that yeah, yeah. it's relationship management <laughs> indeed uh what else have you um done since then in terms of uh composing let's see um i just finished my first versions for this uh pilot for a production company in LA. Cool. Um, which is really cool to like actually like uh, get hired by people I'd never met before. Yeah, you know? geez. Um, and they're awesome. And uh, I hope it, it has a lot of really fun people in it. And uh, I hope I hope it gets picked up. I mean something. I would, <laughs> that would be lovely. Uh, but more than anything, I really hope it establishes me as a a solid composer and producer out there in the on the West Coast. Um, so I'm waiting on. Um, got tentative feedback was that you know like everything's great. Uh, and then so you know like if if there's any picture adjustments or, or edit changes, you know, a lot of times that's kind of the biggest pain is when you as a someone who composes for screen. Is that like you time all of your music up to the edit wow. and then they're like, oh, we need to add like another half of a second here and half of a second here. And all the while that symbol that you put in to, you know, punctuate the change of perspective, the the camera change is totally uh, off. is now it's off. And then like so now it's no longer on the downbeats. So now it sounds silly if you just kind of drag it over that one part. So you kind of have to. You could slow down the the tempo by a couple of beats per minute and then kind of get the same thing, only it's a little slower, or you add another measure. Or... That is yeah, that's, truly that fascinating is, to That me. is what, if, if there's one thing I could tell editors out there is that just please be kind to your composers and don't do likes. If you're going to do edit changes after after music is in, make it either make count. them huge. yeah. And or like, but don't don't give me like an added like forty frames that like throws off my sync. That is so interesting. That oh man, because I guess I I've heard this recently, but probably immediately forgot it. That it may and it makes perfect sense that the music has to be one of the last things yeah. on the whole production. Oh, yeah. yeah, it has to be so insane to get a score back for the first sure. time after you've been working on this thing for so long right? under like silence. Right. Well, oh, it's so isolating. I'm such a social person that like, I sometimes feel crazy. Like I always like Trent Reznor, for example, has Atticus Ross. who's like his like long term collaborator. And uh-huh. like, so he's like also credited on the social network. Soundtrack That's what I was thinking. I was like, the name sounds familiar. He's just, like the, like he, he is like Trent's like 
right hand producer dude. kind of like yeah he'll sit at the he'll sit at like the mixing console while like you know Trent Reznor is like playing a synth line and it's like bouncing ideas and and making technical adjustments but just to feel like there's someone else in this with you otherwise it all exists only for you and you turn it all over at once yeah and then you feel crazy yeah to be like is this a reasonable take on how the music for your your picture should sound right um because what would you even get, uh, what would you typically get from them to say, this is what I want this to sound like? Uh, so uh, there's a few approaches. So uh, a lot of times I will I will get uh, like a, a, an edit of the video um, with a temp score in it, which means that um, the editor or whoever, whatever, whoever's making post-production decisions mm-hmm. um, says that this is kind of the music they cut to, this is the music they were listening to, this is like the vibe. Cool. And then you kind of take that and then you reinterpret it. You, With like licensed music or something uh, like that? Um, not, uh, yes. Or music from that would, would require license. Oh, okay. Like, so, like, Oh, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Is that they're using like already existing music right. they for, found through one way or another. Right. So for one of the cues in It's All Good, the the feature length I did, there was Hand Covers Bruise, which is like the most iconic song from the social network soundtrack. Cool. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like did a, a, a I was like this is kind of amazing because I've always wanted they didn't know to that do a they were Reznor. giving you this yeah, yeah that's so, so I kind of cool. did like my my take on it not nearly as good obviously but but it was uh, so that you know, has to have been such a right. like when you hear his music kicking in you're just like Ooh. I get to do something like that I'm, hope I don't fuck it up um, that's so cool yeah so you'll either get you'll get something with like yeah and it could also be like library music so it's like if your take on that cue doesn't work out they can always just and they like their temp they mm-hmm. can just like license their the temp they use mm-hmm. and just use that instead of what you give them mm-hmm. um, and then sometimes uh, and this is what I've been uh, doing in my last few scoring gigs actually uh where I will get no temp music and I will be given the edit and then I will give them a temp score. Cool. So I will go through my catalog of like other people's stuff or even stuff I've used previously mm-hmm. and of like, and it's more of a conversation because I'm like, what do you think about this sound for here? Cool. Without having to go through the time of like cooking something new mm-hmm. for them, but to have that those kind of early conversations about tone and like what kind of instruments, how full before should it be? Before you get really deep into right. the process. Exactly. Before like, you know, waste eight hours on a, a, a one minute of, of music that's really really cool uh, and I I can't get over the idea of having to totally rewrite the music based on and a edit. really small edit I mean it's and I exaggerate obviously sure, and, and yeah. obviously it's like, not like you have to do your whole job all over right again. right edits edit picture edits are going to happen uh-huh. um, uh and it's not so bad. I mean, sometimes they can really be like they're kind of like puzzles almost. I could see where that. it's like here you are here with this like this this cue that you like super love and they super love, but they're like you know what we need one more reaction shot and mm-hmm. we're not going to shave any seconds. We're not going to shave <laughs> any frames. We're just going to add this reaction. So all of a sudden you're like point seven five seconds off. Oh my god! And so you're like, how do I fill that? Do I add like a measure of like one thirty second and just have it be like kind of a a whole? This is nuts. A, yeah, 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 yeah. That's just so. I think that the biggest thing that I take away from conversations like this 
and anything I watch that's like behind the scenes or even thinking about these guys who made It's All Good on their own is that like every movie slash TV show is like kind of a miracle uh-huh. <laughs> that it exists truly at all. Well, especially when you get to like the the Hollywood major production house, like when you have studio and network, like or a thousand studios for a movie all working on one thing. Like they are huge, huge endeavors. Like there, I recently, the people who do the music for Survivor. Also do Big Brother. But, like, it's, it's this sense. one guy's name, but they have, like, they're a music house with, like, 15 composers. So if you can imagine, like, having that many people, and I'm sure not everyone works on everything because they have a zillion different shows and right. clients that they work on. But, yeah. like, it, it is that big. Like, it can be that big. Like, you want to, like, everyone wants to believe that these major things, and I'm sure they are sometimes, but, like... That everyone is just like their own brilliant artist and like all these just it's like a small room filled with like a few people who make the sound and the look and everything come together and the script and and the the lead actor. And it's just like everyone there's a million hands on everything. Yeah. And there's probably notes coming from all directions. Everywhere. Yeah. Studio and director and producer and et cetera. Um, commercial sponsors right <laughs> yeah. yeah the person I don't like the like, way that the Lincoln we lent you looked in that shot can you like oh my god can yeah. you like show it going very fast and handling curves well like <laughs> Last week on the show, I had to break the news to Jen Bain that uh-huh. uh, SNL has to write like sponsor- sponsored content, like that they'll do a sketch that's just like seemingly about a Cheetos ad room because Cheetos like paid right, the money. Right. And she was like, "No, I never knew." I don't. Does that break your heart? Um. I don't I think it's actually super interesting. I agree. Like I think that the that did you know the Cheetos ad sketch that I'm talking about? It came out it was like the week after the Super Bowl. Mm. Um uh and it makes fun of how like ad campaigns are becoming more like socially aware. Like people are oh, co-opting social awareness sure. into ad campaigns. So it's actually a really like funny, smart sketch. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause it's like these two competing pitch teams. And one of them is like, yes, I have seen that sketch. And yes. the other one's like, we just thought it'd be like some cool dudes eating Cheetos. Right. Um, so f- the idea that, I mean, I've just said Cheetos like 10 times. And you're welcome. Cheetos. There you go. Chester Cheetah. Please Chester, send me a check. Uh, so I kind of love the idea that they can write this great sketch and just like stick whatever it is that week that they have to into it. Well, yeah. And I think that like a lot of creative problem solvers, cause I think a lot of artists, I, I certainly think of myself as a creative problem solver, l- less an artist. Cool. I mean, sure. I, I mean, th- that sounded weird, but, but what I mean no, is I to like say it. that like prompts are super helpful. Yes. So, you know, like one of the, some of the most demanding clients I have at my very like small scale of what I do, Uh you know, are like companies Uh who get like very specific and they're paying you probably more than anyone else is going to pay you for their art project. Right. But they, for that, they get to be very demanding and exacting. Sure. And so they need, they're, they're going to give you feedback at a, at a, and direction at a very, with a very limited or sometimes larger musical vocabulary. Yeah. But like actually taking what they hearing what they're saying and then 
translating put, it. Yeah, and translating it and like making it sound good to your ear, because like it, I, I will never, I, I can't imagine myself ever sending out something that I hated. Sure. Like I have to like it a little bit, otherwise I don't know how to work on it. You know what I mean? And like, I'm sure it's such a similar challenge when you're writing to so, write right. like branded content. So it must be super fun. So I think that, that that's kind of the fun thing because you have something to work from. You have a goal. You have a, a third party's like approval to meet. Yeah. Um, or at least you have some input on what this needs to be because yeah. transactionally, con- contractually needs to be about Cheetos. Yeah. So like, I, I think it. Especially for those people, those writers and actors on SNL who have to week after week after week come up with like ideas from scratch to have someone say, "Well, you got it. We got to do something." We got to work in cheetos. I imagine that is probably a relief. A gift. And it's fun. And That's I bet a they have really a good lot point. of fun working on it. And like they can kind of that. Yeah, I I uh, I never thought about it in terms of giving you a place to work from because yeah. I'm totally with you. I feel like I would rather have us something set to work towards mm-hmm. i'm more of like a detail person or a riffer than like an idea person sure um so yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of that being a challenge and, and it's not, more collaborative yeah yeah and you're not just it's not that vacuum right right so it goes back to the idea of or like you have to excite yourself to even get an idea to excite other people out like just seem like that can be infuriating right and it's so funny because i I will talk to people sometimes who are the idea person and are the like, Ugh, I don't, I just want to be able to do whatever I want. And I am totally with you. That would be like an overwhelming task for me. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and that's really cool that it seems like most, where most composition for like screen would be concerned, you'd get a lot of that. Yeah. Or none. <laughs> but 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 certainly for like a corporate product sure there, there's going to be a lot more minders than like somebody's like i don't know i just did this video do you want to just like it's only like two and a half minutes long and i think it's silent so i just need like brand new music and i don't know what it's about <laughs> and you watch it and you still don't uh, know what it's about <laughs> yeah and you just like throw in a few like kind of dissonant piano notes and then like a very angry pad underneath it that sounds like it's growling and they're like well now you have suspense <laughs> i love it now you have a sense of unease <laughs> i didn't know this was suspenseful until now yeah exactly <laughs> and they can do the whole thing with like accordion music on like a waltz like bum, 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 and then now it's a whole different thing that's great so when you start when you sit down to compose something um what's the first thing that you lay down does it oh, depend okay. on what the project is yeah okay so it depends like yeah it, it, and it depends on the type of track mm-hmm. uh so if it's going to be kind of something more orchestral kind of classically cinematic um what i will use, because that requires a lot of um individual instrument harmonization so sure. like what i'll do is because piano is my main instrument i will like go through and i will write at least I'll outline the chord progression and like some voicings that might sound good. Like that's where you put the notes and the chords and like the, um, with a piano mm-hmm. um, and a piano sound. And then like you can through, you know, the miracle of computer, you can like go in and like clean it up, like get rid of bad notes, move everything so that the timing is right. And then like move some notes in the chord around. Um, so you're like, Oh, I kind of like this, like, this harmonization, like I want the thirds to be rising at the top. And so we'll eventually give that to like 
the sound of a violin. Sure. And then like, oh, the violas are actually kind of hanging around the roots a little more or something like that. And then like the cello is, is, and you're using, if you, so that's how I would do a more like classical type of composition. I'll start mm-hmm. with that. But then like, if it's something a little more contemporary and electronic and moody, which is what I really, I really like doing. I like, like doing both. Like I, I, I like a lot, but like more accessible to me. Sure. Like I will usually start The things with, you're probably listening to more in general. I'll start with the bass. And I think that's probably because I freaking love, usually. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is whatever. Like sure. I hardly ever start with drums because you, you want to know how the notes work before you know how to like punctuate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that makes sense. Uh, the, you know, I'll like lay down the heartbeat kind of, of the, of the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it's like a little like spooky but groovy. Again, very influenced by Charmin. <laughs> um, and then you know fill in other instruments around around that. But really, it's whatever. Like sometimes I will because I don't have like the best sense of like ear to finger uh, translation. Like I'll be I can't like hum something in my head and be like these are the notes. Mm. Like it'll like I'll have to sit with, with like a little a keyboard and be like okay that's E flat toy it around E flat to an A flat down to the F like B flat C like something like that. Uh, it, sometimes I'll just like get a mic <laughs> and just kind of like hum uh-huh. and record myself humming. Uh huh. Um, to Can like it a pick click up track the notes. Like, would it be able, oh, would it like be able read to them? Notes? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that technology does exist, and I probably have some plugin somewhere that does that. But but that, that's not how you would use. Yeah, it. I guess you could use like uh, you could use like a pitch correction, and it'll kind of know what note you're going for. But usually, you hear it enough, and you work like a couple a couple of measures at a time. So you'd be like this main harm, this main melody. You know, you hear it a few times, just so you can like you lay like, it down, and right? Then... And then you put like a piano, or you take a, a sound, you know, and. Um, play it over top and then eventually uh-huh. get rid of that Take hum track. One. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. As- so it, it all just depends on what what it is. And it's, uh, honestly, for me, it's a lot of like <laughs> procrastination and <laughs> avoiding and staring angrily at it, getting frustrated and like going out to my back porch and like smoking a cigarette and like playing Mario on my phone like uh-huh. an asshole <laughs> and being like, I'll get to it tomorrow. Because like you're overwhelmed by like how much you have how to- much you have to do and like knowing that when the idea comes it's going to be fine but trusting that the idea will come yes um but when you're just not oh, feeling man. it you I can't do it <laughs> and especially like i won't even i won't even like let myself try to put well i think there's something to be said also about like making yourself do something yes um productive starting somewhere just putting something freaking down mm-hmm. um is that but like if i'm just totally like not having it, then mm-hmm. I'll be like, it, it'll just be easier. And then usually when you give yourself permission to like disengage, like you go to your whatever, you go on a drive. I love driving around listening to podcasts when I can't, when I can't think of anything. Yeah. Just to like, I can see driving being a really good, I love driving. I love it so much. Mind clear. Um, and then usually it's when you give yourself like five minutes after you give yourself permission to like stop thinking about it that you'll get an idea. That a, a t- melody like right, pops in your head. something. And even if it's trite and sucks and even if you like ultimately throw it out, like having something that you like and that you understand down helps you like, even if it's just one instrument, a bass, just a little piano part. Yeah. Whatever. Even if it's like even a, a drum rhythm that rarely happens for me to, but like... And you you know it you know what it's going you know what it's working towards being uh-huh. like 
you everything else happens much quickly after. That makes a ton of sense, especially when you're layering stuff like that. If you keep going up, you can always reel things back and yeah. change things that go still go along with what Isn't you've built on top Coco of it. Coco Chanel says, like, you look at yourself after you're dressed and take one thing off. Oh, I have heard that before. I try to do that because I've been, I've been told that sometimes my compositions get a little busy. I um, love that. So, like, I will try to, like, really go for... For streamline. Yeah, I feel like I'm an overwriter yeah. often, so I've definitely had to teach myself to go back and just like gut sentences it, out of it. Truly. And it's this it is honestly the same it is the same like kind of instinct. That's so funny. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Like in, in terms of creation, like you're especially if you're uh, inclined to do that in the first place to just keep like layering and right. adding little flourishes, right? Or like, and it's also like over over tracking, putting too many tracks in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does a poor job. I think it's like a, a a thing that you are doing when you haven't figured out what the real idea is. Sure, that makes sense. Like what the music actually is. Yeah, because um, you're, you're like, oh well, I'll just throw something new down, and it sounds good. But it's not the the thing, mm-hmm. you know. That's great. Um, what are some of your favorite scores? Okay, so my big my big two faves mm-hmm. are Trent Reznor and Hans Zimmer by far. Um, and I feel like that's everyone's two favorites. So I was like, gonna say, well, like I'm not a huge John Williams. Like I I appreciate John Williams and like Danny Elfman. Like I think that their stuff is. Is great. It is not at all like Your anything, style. anything that I sound like. Like I, I don't think I could do. Like I was listening to um, the new. Oh God, what if I'm wrong? The new Star Wars, the the non canonical one. Uh huh. Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. Um, I, my my roommate was watching it, and I was like listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, John Williams. Is that it? That is that John Williams. I don't think he did it, actually. Yeah, we nope, should look we'll it up. We'll have to edit that. I'm just kidding, guys. I own up to my mistakes. <laughs> it's okay. No. if Even if we're it not... It sounds, but it's at least... It, it's so certainly the inspired. Only, I think I heard someone talking about uh, the person who wrote this music is the only reason that I like know okay. anything about it. Um, but... I think you're exactly right that the person who wrote it was like is trying referencing his style at least because like, it's so much flourish and so many little melodies inside like moments. Exactly. Like, so there's always a flute moving. Michael Gacciano, do oh, you know who that I, is? I do because they did Rogue One and not uh. John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um so oh yeah, this is so he's Friends with J.J. Abrams. That's oh, how this happened. Well, shit. Yeah. yeah. He did the music for Lost, Alias, oh. Fringe, a bunch of like video games. Oh my God. That, that doesn't sound like, because I, I love the Fringe title. Interesting. So yeah, I do. I literally, sorry to like co-opt no. your example, but I definitely heard, I think this guy was like on a panel on a podcast that I listened to and someone asked him what it was like to, you know, have to... Yeah. Fill those fucking right, shoes. Right. <laughs> um, and I do want to say that he uh like purposefully tried to ape the style. Yeah. Because otherwise it would be too like jarring. Uh, yeah. I mean what what I think is is cool about what Williams does, like, especially is that especially in relation to 
what 2017 Star Wars sounds like and make like making the deliberate decision to carry over that sonic aesthetic um, is that it is this timeless big blockbuster sensibility but not in like a Michael Bay way yeah which is kind of where you get into the the Zimmer world but like also a lot of action movies don't have the nuance that Hans Zimmer mm. like I feel like Hans Zimmer in, at least was on the forefront of the yes. like and, and inception yes. namely yes uh, and just giant metallic impacts and just like noise that like rises and is filtered and like like kind of chopped in and out like like mm-hmm. that that whole like stutter sound mm-hmm. um he certainly was a uh, uh, a torch bearer of that school um but his stuff is just so much more intricate um you see a lot of action movies that just sounds like slamming yeah and, and that's great because a lot of times the plot is that's just all that and you're not you don't need a symphony for everything. Yeah. Um, it just needs to, to help the story get told. Uh, but like Hans, I was, I remember like first getting into Hans Zimmer and not even realizing it was Hans Zimmer when like, I, I hadn't even seen Gladiator, but I heard the song Now We Are Free, which has like this kind of like world music, like chanting thing that's happening. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember like being a freshman in college and having my iPod pod and like not being able to to sleep because my roommate was you know like a dick um and like just putting in like my earbuds and like listening to like now we are free and just being like i wonder what this looks like in the context of the scene that's so funny Uh, just because it was such a beautiful like stirring moving piece of music and like i think hans zimmer does that and as well as like makes really awesome large uh action sounds uh-huh. which are so you know in you know they, yeah. they, they sound great like that bigness yeah that, like sounds like uh, you know, 400 tons of steel are dropping onto like a it, it's giant it seems like both of those guys as much as you scoff about well like everyone likes them it yeah. seems like it's with good reason it seems like both those guys kind of revolutionized right what scoring looked like because everyone wanted their movie to sound like the social network yeah, and everyone wanted their score to sound like inception. Like it was, yeah, those are two like touchstone. And it was around the time of those two movies that I actually started to get paid to do this. Cool. So like, so that makes sense that, the people who were like the best at it. Yeah, yeah, and, one of, and like a childhood hero, Trent Reznor. You know, yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. That's like kind of double prizes, right? <laughs> this right, guy and that you already were into. I just remember like being being the weird kid who like loved this guy and being like, "There's his music is is amazing," and they're like, "It's just another weird goth band." And then I'm like, "No, his music's special." And then to like see that paid off and like him getting an actual freaking yes. you know Oscar that for his has score, to have been it, so like. Suck it, hey. I was like, yeah, this is good music, and you don't need to have black fingernail polish on <laughs> to be the type of person that enjoys it. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really cool. Uh, I think it's it's important to acknowledge stuff like a John Williams, where it's like, I can see what this guy is doing. Oh like, my god! And it's it's music so I assume is so complicated. I wouldn't even think to like know how to begin to put a John Williams score together. Oh, that's it's a really good so, point too. So like pen to paper, it's so like classically musical. Yes, like there, there, it's not necessarily intuitive. It's um, very mathematically 
coded and decoded. Like it's 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 a series of right answers. It's a series of like correct agreements in music theory. That makes and like, perfect sense. It, and there's, it's less textural and ambient, which is mm-hmm. like kind of the vocabulary that Trent Reznor and Hans Zimmer introduce. And of course, Hans Zimmer is much more, um, has much more of an uh, orchestral um, flair to what he does. Sure. Although he like does crazy shit with with real orchestral instruments. I don't know if Trent Reznor like gets an orchestra to, to play his scores. A lot of times it's, it's him to... and a, a synthesizer and using like electronics to make his sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, Hans Zimmer will like record someone doing a cello, the note, and then and then like throw it through fuck a computer and sound. fuck with it. Yeah, like his what he did with um, the Dark Knight. That's um, really cool yeah. that these two approaches can seemingly be pretty different and still arrive at things that both separately kind of like revolutionized right. scoring. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least they did for me. I mean, I'm sure there's like, I'm sure I'm missing a lot. I'm not a very good student of, of like music throughout cinema, but the stuff I listen to now that really gets me going happens sure. to mostly belong to those two. And I think, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you. I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm much more of like a, a movie person than specifically a music person and it seems like in the in film circles those are the guys people are still yeah. talking about yeah. like and they have like you know disciples like yeah the, the trent reznor sound is going to outlive trent reznor that and he was a rock musician and i think that's just so fucking cool that makes so much sense and i agree with you yeah, <laughs> yeah. do you have a project that you've worked on that it, you're like most proud of or is your favorite for one reason or another so yeah uh mm. I mean, I, I like a lot of the stuff I do. I feel like right now in the and if it if this is as far as I get in my career, fine, because I you know able to say that I I get to do music and I get paid. Cool. Um, I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of the projects and the scope of where I am in my work is is uh, I feel like there's more right and wrong answers when I get a project now. Gotcha. Because it's already like, it's less a collaboration with the filmmaker. It's more like, can you get this to sound like this? Mm. Like, so that thing that for that pilot I did, um, it, half of it's supposed to sound like um, The Real Housewives. Like, <laughs> and, and I wrote a version, what could be a Real Housewives opener. Cool. Um, and it borrows from that reality TV vocabulary. Gotcha. Of that kind of like hip hop like laid back beat but then also sure. strings very like pompous strings coming through and like you can just you know hear someone saying like oh you know Danielle she's never on time that's what I but was... I'm never tardy to the party you know like shit like that yeah you just and, that's exactly what I was thinking as you were describing it I was like shit that you could put sound bites over right right yeah. and I don't think that I have my own sound yet I cool. think I'm I'm a, I'm a good mimic uh-huh. and I'm working on like uh, broadening my portfolio of things I can reasonably mimic. Uh-huh. Um, and then every once in a while, there will be like something that I I, I do uh, that will genuinely like surprise me and I'll get really excited about because uh, I hadn't modeled it after anything else. I hadn't been listening to a particular musician or composer or a TV show with, a, you know, like, that, that I wanted to like reference that palette of sounds uh-huh. um, and I'll be like this is just kind of like what I came up with and when other people like it then that's awesome that's really cool yeah and it makes a lot of sense that if you feel like you do thrive and operate a lot under hey this is what we need right. that the other side of what does 
what is Alex Kleiner's right. sound? I, and that is a question kind of I've been asking working. myself for years. <laughs> I don't really think I know. Because like, I, I also like when I make... I like writing because I also enjoy comedy and mm-hmm. being a funny person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and get with like the little bit of like stand-up kind of stuff I do is usually like joke dumb songs. And so I love like making beats. Like I love like nasty ass trap beats. Yeah. And so like, you know, part of me, there's always a sense of humor in a lot of what I do. And I think a part of the reason I like j- parodying or at least honoring, depending on the context, uh-huh. a genre. Is uh, that you that's get established to put is that, like music jokes in? Right, music jokes, and I I love music jokes. That's They're so really dumb. wonderful. They're so dumb. Like keep it stupid. I, I that's really wonderful that uh, the voice that may very well arise or or is arising is one of like humor. Yeah, because I'm sure that it's not. It doesn't seem like there's, um, you know, a a person out there who fits that bill like i'm sure there are uh, probably yeah. yeah it's like there's probably one guy who scored a bunch of comedies right. that, like we don't know his name but he's probably making just great money yeah <laughs> yeah at least uh, you know like rent money and uh, yeah. uh car lease money and uh you know private flights to bora bora money yeah, yeah, that'd be great that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> sure but he won't be he won't be alex kleiner funny or Thank she you. won't be alex well, yeah funny. Please, yeah and also <laughs> Where my ladies in music composition for screen at? <laughs> yeah. No, I seriously, I wonder about that. You know, like uh, I, I, um, I should familiarize my. I should do a Google. Yeah. And like get to, I, I, because that kind of like white man hero worship is certainly not lost on me. Yeah. Um, that is like Hans Zimmer and Trent Reznor, but like, um, you know, I'm it's sure hard, that there's man. going to be, but also like. Now this is cliche. Like I think the best artist ever is Beyonce Knowles. So like, uh, and what her music sounds like. But I'm sure that like very soon uh, we will all be uh, lusting after like some young chick who's freaking dope and probably makes awesome music. Probably. I feel like people love Lizzo right now. I, I feel like Lizzo. Lizzo is like slowly becoming like a household. Oh yeah. Like personality gets that minneapolis love oh yeah yeah, she, yeah. She's awesome. um i don't know why that was what came to mind but probably because of her fucking sick bass lines underneath yeah. all of her songs yeah <laughs> i mean like and just also like batches and cookies will always be like one of my go-to car jams yeah she like the does. way that she like kind of like lets herself get out of breath and like continually like ascends like her vocal range to like where it's like squealy i i, I it's just so like awesome dynamics in her voice that i'm just like this is cool shit i think that's part of what it is is that she'll she is not afraid to do some weird shit yes that is does what's that song that's like where the hell is my cell and it's just about it's just about her losing her cell phone yeah. in the club. Yes, it's so fucking. It's so good, and you yeah. can like laugh at it and then relate to it, and then like and also jam out to and it. And then I was gonna say enjoy it musically, right? Yeah. And I think that especially for like comedy songs, and I've been, I mean, music directed Second City for a zillion years, that like you've written your fair share of comedy songs. <laughs> uh, one that will make you laugh, but also will make you sh- move your head. That is like the intersection I yes. love to be at. Yes. Yeah, totally. Because comedy songs should also sound like good songs. I think that's kind of a a hidden like secret in if you write a good song, then the comedy doesn't have to be quite as good. Exactly. Or at or, least... Or, you know, you might not get the laughs 
on the jokes, so they're not like just vehicle. I feel like like a lot of like old style comedy songs are just s- musically simple vehicles for jokes. Yes, and you're expecting a laugh after each rhymed couplet and shit like yes. that. Yes, but I think a lot of times in more contemporary comedy music and even stuff that I've seen around like Second City is like the the music sounds so good, or the music is at least captivating enough that the lines are funny and the jokes are strong, but the audience. Um, delays laughing at after each punch in order to get the next part of the song, and then it doesn't necessarily get the laughs during, but it gets a huge applause and hoots and hollers at the end. Yes, I totally have seen that in um, performed musical comedy, and it's a really hard. I think it's really hard to make a good comedy song that does have those like pauses in it, right? Uh, that that can act on the punchlines as the song happens. Well, and especially when you're, like, referencing, like, you know, someone with a guitar can, like, vamp while they, whatever. But, like, when you're doing more and more, like, music production behind, like, and you're doing playback for, like, a uh, partially pre-recorded track and you're playing, like, piano or guitar keys on top of sure like a beat like it's it, you can't really you don't have wiggle room yeah i mean like without a lot of programming you can't like you know like hold a measure and then move on right it would be a nightmare yeah, yeah. especially considering the variety of houses that second city plays for too Bro, the whole gambit <laughs> the whole gambit because i'm sure there are times where they're just trying to get through those songs uh-huh. <laughs> and you got some real real tired 60 year olds from Schaumburg come down to the big city <laughs> and are very confused why all these all these people are mad at Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, do you feel like there's anything you would be remiss to not speak to in this conversation? Not really. I I had I appreciate I, I, I have never talked this much about myself uh, in in a while. I know it sounds hard to believe. But um I, believe it. I um yeah, no, I, I had a, this is a lot of fun. I, uh, it helped me just to be asked questions to like figure things out for myself. I'm sure. Like, no, I wonder, do you, do you believe the bullshit you're saying, Kleiner? <laughs> like, yes, I do. <laughs> Wait a minute. That is true. Alex, you're not so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm really glad. Yeah, no. Was... And like 100% fuck Donald Trump. Like. <laughs> Um, always and fuck uh, all of them. Um, so I guess I would be remiss. That's to the say, part that you. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be a little bit of like that. anger at America and pretty much everything I do until like 2018. Hey, but that's fair. That also rolls into kind of uh, my last question: is how do you feel like this uh, endeavor has influenced you creatively and kind of the world of your life? Uh, which endeavor? Um, musical scoring and oh composition. well okay so I, obviously that is the creative endeavor right um, uh, well you know so going from like in college right I I uh, graduated with a degree in like acting mm-hmm. so I was acting mm-hmm. and acting requires like uh, like not even an iota of the amount of like homework and yes. like freaking like putting in the hours somewhere and like coming up with something. Yeah. Cause like you, you, not, that is not to under like actors work very, very hard. It's a different type of working. Yes. Um, so that's probably the way to put it more than anything. Like it's gotten me comfortable with it, reg- whether or not I'm writing jokes or I'm writing music or I'm doing anything else. Like it's gotten me comfortable 
being a little more like linearly focused and like disciplined on like creating a checklist of shit I need to do. So it's kind of been procedural. Um, It also like being, and I feel like a lot of creative people do like they start by like mimicking Mm -hmm. um, things that they, they like. Uh, Yes. And certainly as a composer, I've been asked to do that and I do that to myself. And then like we said, sometimes I'll come up with a gem that I'm like, this is uniquely me maybe. Uh And then I'm sure, I'm sure if you like run it against like some sort of computer that has heard every song in the world, they'd be like, actually this is almost note for note. (laughs) Something that was in a 1961 episode, whatever. When you're a mimic or when you're at least starting and like finding your own voice. Right. Um, doing that musically where it literally you do not hear the sound of my voice. You do not see the image of me. Like you would be like an actor. You would not like experience me as directly as you do when you're writing just words, for example. Uh, it's gotten me used to like adopting other people's creative voices and tones and like helping punch up things, you know, like uh, as a writer at cards against humanity here, sure. like if someone's trying to get like a joke uh, or a card that they like, um, you know, and I don't necessarily share the the point of view or the sure. I can still like look at it, understand what they're trying to do and like help yes. collaborate on like ways to phrase things that might be in their someone else's voice. Yes. But like still has some of your brain engine in it. <laughs> and know? that makes so much sense as a skill that you would kind of pick up from being a mimic. Right. I remember when we were on the cruise together, you said at some point that you don't speak nerd. I do <laughs> And not. I laughed at that so hard and um, like came back and told my boyfriend that and we started ascribing our friends as to like how fluent they were in nerd. <laughs> okay, so I realized that the the juxtaposition or the, the irony of hearing me nerd out for however long about music <laughs> and, and so in context, uh, wh- what I mean is I, I do, I'm not a huge like fantasy fan. I do not know comic books. I'm not a huge superhero fan sure and i know that there are huge aggressive no i'm sorry enthusiastic <laughs> fandoms built around those things sure and what i what i meant was i i have no idea how to talk to these people about their interests and the, the only reason that i bring this up is because that made me laugh a lot and i understood exactly what you were saying when you said it and the reason i bring this up is because even though you felt like that was the case, you still got on stage, you know, four or five times during that week and made audiences full of people laugh. Right. So, well, I mean, thank you. Laughing <laughs> 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 is a generous way to describe some oh, of the responses. But I, I had so much fun. Doing oh, we those had shows. A, we had a blast. Yeah, and I just I truly um, mean that when I say that, like, in I've. I think that your ability to like mimic those other styles definitely <laughs> leaked into your your comedy there, and uh, uh, you're able to kind of like translate your own language into nerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate or, that. Uh, or even you know surmount the language barrier. <laughs> 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 did, did you ever tell your your listeners about your experience aboard Joko twenty seventeen? I didn't go into great details. Yeah. No. Well, no, okay. So the large, you know, they get the large strokes. Then we were on a, a floating com- uh, comedy and gaming cruise, and boy, <laughs> boy, did we have we galvanized an experience together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a that's a very good way to put it. I feel like uh, I've talked to a couple of other people who also um, ha- had that galvanized oh, experience with right. us. 
That's right. And it does feel like a very specific like relationship mm-hmm. now that we all went through that together. We're boat people now. <laughs> you and I were we're boat people. <laughs> Looked at you from across the deck smoking a cigar. <laughs> Just like Yes, I came, really came into my own at the end. Someone gave me a Cuban cigar. By the way, I hate cigars, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I am going to smoke a Cuban cigar. And be surrounded by people wearing like uh, Harry Potter costumes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it was, yeah, by the end, I really found a pace with it and I was very glad to be off, but would yeah. go back. I would go back. And yeah. I, I learned a lot and had a great time and certainly enjoyed hanging out with you. Yeah, same. Uh, I'm sorry I took it off on a little bit of a tangent, but it did seem to, uh, in my mind, it definitely. I feel like my experience with you as a performer echoes the things that you're saying about uh, the ability to kind of like pick something apart and put it back together in a way that is a semblance of. The- yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be very happy. Like, I like being a funny bitch that talks, but like, <laughs> I also would be very, I like, would be very happy just collecting ideas and then reorganizing them for people and being like, that. you go out in there and do that. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And in, in musically, it seems like uh, you're doing a lot of that. So mm-hmm. congrats. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this with me. This Alex. has been such a pleasure. Absolutely. I agree with you. I love you. And I mean that. I love you too. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.